previously on Life Before Birth. If I'm honest, my desperation to get pregnant as soon as possible is overwhelming me. I'm pregnant. It's still very faint as it's um, early, but it's a definite yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) I went to the zoo earlier today with the kids and I was really upset to find some brown discharge when I went to the loo and when I wiped. I didn't have that with my either pregnancies. I didn't notice that I had that with either of my other pregnancies. I went into hospital a few days ago and I miscarried. It's not only common, it's completely understandable. If you've had the rug taken away from you, you know, from under you once, Mm. when you absolutely were least expecting it, in your case, because you'd had healthy pregnancies before, and why would you consider miscarriage? I'm waiting to see if I conceived again. I'm getting cramps again, not like period cramps, but I'm definitely aware of them. It's all really similar to the symptoms I felt last month, just before I found out I was pregnant. Life Before Birth has been made possible by support from Tommy Tippy. Tommy Tippy was founded over 60 years ago and is now one of the most trusted and recognisable baby brands today. Born from a mission to make everyday life easier for parents around the world, they are as committed to that original goal as they were in 1965. Tommy Tippy strives to create innovative and stylish products from feeding and sleeping to soothing and bathing, all of which are designed to look and feel as great as they work. No wonder they're loved by babies and recommended by generations of parents. You can discover their full range of products by visiting tommytippy.com. New month and I'm pregnant. I just want to be pregnant again from the moment I miscarried. And I just felt like that hole wouldn't be filled. I'm really teary and emotional. And in some ways, it feels like I've just miscarried and it feels really raw. And in other ways, I feel like that longing to be pregnant again, waiting to find out, lasted a lifetime. And there wasn't a day that went by where I didn't think about being pregnant again. I'm just so happy to be on this journey. And I'm just hoping that this little tiny dot inside of me, which is currently 0.13 inches from crown to rump or head to bum, is going to continue to grow and become a healthy boy or girl. I'm trying to not get too excited this time as I've just found out and I'm really protecting my feelings this time. It's like what Ruth from the Miscarriage Association said, it hits you really hard when the rug is ripped out from under you unexpectedly. So it's a battle of feeling really excited and absolutely terrified at the same time. It's emotional overload. I've just phoned my doctor surgery to book my first midwife appointment, which is also known as the booking in appointment. The NHS states that this should happen before you're 10 weeks pregnant, and it's really exciting. It's the first communication with the NHS on this pregnancy journey. I called the doctor surgery and the receptionist congratulated me, the first stranger to congratulate me. My midwife is going to come round to my home um, when I'm nearly six weeks pregnant. I'm also going to meet Antonio Sierra, who's a consultant midwife for the NHS West Hearts, about what actually happens at this first appointment, what questions mums-to-be are asked and what the midwives are hoping to learn from these meetings. Thanks, 
this. Right, first of all, I need you just to double check these are all correct. I forgot about all of these. Yeah, all of these. Yeah, that's all right. Antonio, what will actually happen at the booking in appointment? So you will find out that you're pregnant and you will be giving an appointment to see a midwife. That appointment will normally take place um, as soon as possible after we know that you're pregnant. Um, and we are time bound. There are a number of tests that we need to do. And it's really important that we make a, that we process the booking for those tests as soon as possible. By the 10th week, we will, we will have one to do your booking appointment and completed all of those requests for tests. So do you remember the first of your last period? Yes, it was the 2nd of February. You're born in Wales, yeah? <laughs> yeah, 2nd of Feb. I'm making you about, about um, five weeks and two days. Yeah, that's what I made it as well. The appointment may take place in your own house, it may take place in a children's centre, or it may take place in the GP surgery. It very much depends on where you live and um, what model of care your midwives will usually follow. When you come to us, you will be given your pregnancy notes. It's a really exciting time for most um, of mums. We will have to fill in a number of details, including socio-demographic data. So all of your details, details relating to your partner, um, where you live, who's your GP, we will inform you of who will be caring for you throughout the pregnancy and what model of care you'll be cared for. We will want to go through your past medical history and also we will need to consider your past obstetric history, which will determine the level of care that you may require at that moment in time. As you were just talking about that continuity of June, that's what our team is aiming to, to um, oh, really? do as well, so that you get to see your midwife from booking antenatally and then intrapartumly and postnatally. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Nice. That's yeah. really nice so to So that's hear. what, and I think the info is in the back of here. Our service is going to be slightly changing soon. Um, so, but we'll let you know if, yeah. what things are going to be happening. Well, that's really nice. I, I was, it was yeah. nice surprise to have a call. Yeah. Remember, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got a call from <laughs> midwife's mobile number. <laughs> so yeah, you've got my number, so you can give me a call when um, you feel like you've got any questions. Continuity of care refers to situations in care provision where there is consistency in the midwife providing hands-on care throughout the three stages of the, your maternity journey. So that relates to your pregnancy, labour itself, and also the postnatal period. There is now a national target and expectation that we need to achieve um, and meet to ensure that we are also able to provide that continuity during the birth of your child. Now, this is going to take a number of resources, but we have started taking baby steps. We're less likely to miss really important cues and things, uh, you know, throughout your journey. It's great not having to talk to a new midwife at each point to tell them your backstory. Absolutely. I think particularly it's, it's great for absolutely everyone, but you're raising a very valid point, particularly for mums who may be feeling a bit more vulnerable. You know, we care for mums that may have gone through significant trauma in the past. Your midwife will get to know what you are like, you know, and there is no need to come back to actually having to go through those memories again. 
So there have been studies I'm undertaking looking at childbirth, and these studies are reporting on a number of uh, variables. To mention some of those benefits, for example, women who are part of a continuity of care team are seven times more likely to be attended at birth by a midwife that they know. So imagine how vulnerable you must feel knowing the midwives that are going to be coming to you, or at least you know the midwives that are part of a wider team who you've had an opportunity to meet at some point and knowing that one of them will be there. So what are some of the governing factors that determine whether you may have a high-risk pregnancy and be consultant-led or if you're going to be midwife-led? So it very much depends on local policies, but generally speaking, we follow national guidance. You're absolutely right to uh, think that actually very much depends on your past medical and also obstetric history. So for example, at our local trust, one previous section doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be consultant-led. For as long as everything else is fine and normal, you will be midwifery led care if you've had, however, two previous cesarean sections, then you will certainly be consultant-led. So that booking appointment is really important at determining what level of care you may require. There are moms that actually start their pregnancy journey being labeled as high risk or being consultant led. We call it share care, but they may revert to midwifery led care later on. So, this is one of the reasons the midwife is asking questions about your previous pregnancies, your general health and fitness. It all builds up a picture, a picture of you. What would you say your activity levels are? Inactive, Um, moderate, active? It's probably quite active. I go to the gym quite a bit. Okay. Okay, BMI is fine. It says healthy weight. Not good. Still birth of multiple miscarriages. In your family, do you know? Nope. It's okay if I just check for blood pressure. So this is very cool. I've been sitting in the car, okay? How many is multiple? Is multiple more than three. Time? More than three. Yeah, three yeah. or more. Uh, how many do my sister have? Sorry. Two. And um, my mum? She's had. Four. She's had quite a few, but she's had five babies. Yeah. I don't think for the sake no. of this. No. My eldest brother died at, at four hours old. Mm-hmm. So is that. Still Does that is that on either of these? Because yeah. that's a stillbirth? Yeah. Is that? yeah. Was it just up to page three we had to um, this So, previous births and previous um, pregnancies, and then the next page is mental health. Yeah? Right, okay. As you can see from that form, mental health is quite a vast spectrum. Mm-hmm. So, um, whether it be self-harming, um, OCD, anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, schizophrenia, so no previous history, no. Previous history. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so that you know that we do have a parental health team as well. Okay. Um, so if you do feel low in mood, um, just let us know. We can refer you to them. Have you been feeling down, depressed or hopeless? Well, the reality is this is within the past month. And of course you were because of the miscarriage. But then that will disappear as soon as you're pregnant again. So do, do you answer this now? contextually or do you answer this factually? But factually. So that would be a yes for you then, won't it? Well, feeling down, yeah, feeling down, that's really, that's not... But it's not affecting it, you doing your day-to-day. It didn't affect yeah. me. It, it, I mean, I was yeah. really down, but I wasn't mm. like, I didn't like stop doing Which is doing understandable. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't like stop doing 
stuff. I've got two other children I had to kind of get on with, mm. with life. So it's very important that we also get to know a bit more about your past obstetric history. So getting to know when did you give birth? How did you give birth? What was the weight of your baby? Did you have any complications uh, during the birth or immediately after your baby needs to go to special care? When you have given birth with us in the past, uh, more often than not, we're able to access your previous health records. So that's not a big issue. But in instances where you may have given birth somewhere else in a different country or even a different home, hospital uh, to us, we may ask you to request your previous birth notes as well, particularly when your birth may have had some complications. We will be asking you questions to do with your health in general, including your physical health and also your mental health. And then there will be other uh, questions that we usually ask nationally uh, that, that will relate to your safety. So we'll be asking questions relating to domestic violence, uh, questions relating to what support you have out there. And we will also want to know if there are any other professionals currently working with you to either enhance your health or um, any other professionals from a non-medical background such as such as social workers. We will explain to you how pregnancy will progress and we will also schedule your appointments throughout your pregnancy. So depending on you know you having your first or your second or third baby, you will be giving a number of appointments. We will also determine what would be the best timing for you to have your neocrofall scan if you want to accept it and also your anomaly scan and we will be supporting you you know making the necessary bookings so that all of that information is there and available you will be asked for consent at every single point and that's it really okay so this page here tells you about your schedule of care okay we need to see the midwife after today's um, booking appointment yeah i will sort out the scans for you okay. at the hospital and you should have them around 12 to 13 weeks okay they normally post the, the appointments out a week or two before so after that 16 weeks so once i leave here you can book your 16 week appointment to see me at Parkwood. Right. Then you have another scan, the anomaly scan. Yeah. Okay. And then, because this is, um, you've had two children already, then you have a little longer gap. So yeah. you see at 28 weeks. And then now we've started seeing women at 31, 32 weeks because of, we're doing the, the gap and grow charts now. And then these are the remaining times you will see the midwife. So I need to do a blood test. So in this booklet that I'll leave with you, it's got lots of information on it that you can read okay. if you get the time to. Okay. Um, so I need to do a blood test. I'm going to attempt to do a blood test and then I'll send it off straight to the lab so you won't have to go. Okay. All right. No. I'll pop back and put um, a leaflet for your door, like the group B strip and the antenatal screening as well. And in there, it will explain the screening that we do. So like today's blood test. So we check for... Um, iron levels, platelet count, so do a full blood count. Then we also check for what blood type you are, check for antibodies, and then we also check for infectious diseases like HIV. Your blood will be repeated again at 28 weeks, but not as many, okay? Just your haemoglobin levels and antibodies. So for screening for Down syndrome, Edwards and Pates, would you like to be screened for all three? Or you have the options yeah. of just Down syndrome only, or just Edwards and Pates only, or just a dating scan only. For all of it. Yeah, yeah for all of it. Yeah. yeah, all of them. Okay. What are the other two? Sorry, Down syndrome or where? Are the other two? Edwards and Pates, so they're all chromosome abnormalities. Okay. Have you had a blood transfusion before? No. 
Would you accept a blood transfusion to save your life if required? Yeah, I need one. Yeah. Okay. And would you agree for baby receiving blood products if required? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, so on page 12, these are important signs and symptoms that you need to be mindful of throughout the pregnancy. Okay. okay? Any of these you experience, you need to go to A&E or see your GP. Okay. And once you're over 20 weeks, it's the maternity triage okay. and maternity day assessment unit in Watford. Okay. Okay. Can I have access to an arm, please? I can see you just hiding away from me. <laughs> Alright, so I'm all done now. So I'm going to drop this off to the hospital now. And then I will grab a package of all of the, FW, the, like the FWA and um, the booklets information so that wasn't in the pack. Okay? Yeah, great. Thank you. All right. So I'll see you at 16 weeks. So don't yeah. forget to book your 16 week appointment okay. to yeah. see you um, Parkwood, yeah? Antonio, at the booking in appointment, you're given so much information. Thankfully, you get lots of reading material to mull over, but guidelines and recommendations for pregnant women can change too. So in their practice, midwives and obstetricians follow national guidelines, which will provide a foundation for local clinical guidelines. So what we do is we look at those guidelines and then make any necessary changes we may need to, to reflect the way in which we work locally and to adapt what's being released nationally. This information is regularly updated depending on what new evidence is discovered and also what new guidance is issued. And can advice differ depending on the trust you're with? Absolutely. It very much depends on what resources you have, what equipment you have and what processes you follow. Uh, so, for example, just generally speaking, we do not currently have a birthing pool on our delivery suite. Uh, nearby hospitals may have a birthing pool on a delivery suite, so they their guidelines will be reflecting what services are available to women accessing their care. It's a lot to take in. I've gone through this journey twice before and there's still tons I don't know about pregnancy. And for the midwives, they're trying to learn everything about you, your health, your mental well-being. They're also trying to learn about your previous pregnancy and birth story or multiple pregnancy and birth stories, trying to find the right care path for you. So it's helpful then that across the UK, local maternity systems are trying to implement midwife-led continuity models of care. It's amazing how it all comes together. I often say that midwifery is a lifestyle to describe both the sacrifices for the profession, but also the joy um, of being so fortunate to be able to guide families through one of the most special and precious times of their lives. Life Before Birth is supported by Mum and You. When you're about to become a mum, it can be overwhelming to decide what products are best for you. Everything at Mum and You is made by mums for mums. When you have a mum design the product, you know it's going to tick a lot of boxes. Like their skincare range for mums, which they develop to work fast, because who has the time to wait with a baby around? And tackles the unique issues your body goes through when pregnant and beyond. As your bump grows, stretch marks may appear. While they're completely normal, Mumanu's Easy Tiger Stretch Mark Gel uses naturally derived vegan ingredients like grapeseed and cahai oil, don't they sound fancy, to moisturise and reduce scarring. 
The gel feels lovely on the skin and soaks in quickly, so it's a little bit of pampering each day for just you and your bump. From their super soft eco nappies to biodegradable wipes, the Mum and New range is both eco-conscious to protect your baby's planet and lovingly made by mums to make your life easier. Which is why other parents rate Mum and New as excellent on Trustpilot. For 20% off across their site, visit mumandnew.com and use the promo code TRY20 at checkout. Tommy Tippy is offering listeners of Life Before Birth a discount on its range of innovative products. Whether you need efficient breast pumps, baby bottles, snuggly sleepwear or clever monitors, Tommy Tippy has you covered, meaning you have the tools to parent in a way that works best for you. Sign up to Tommy Tippy via their website, tommytippy.com, for up to 15% off your first order and access to an exclusive welcome pack. Happy shopping. I've had some cramping over the last couple of days and some... Well, no, I've had cramping for more than that a little bit. It's not been... It's been about four days, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. But it's not been... It wasn't... Don't get me wrong, it wasn't as severe as when I had the miscarriage and I was cramping then because that, that was... That was a lot stronger and that was, like, really bad period pain. Whereas this is, like, mild period pain. But with that, I've had some bleeding and, again, no, not a huge amount. That way. Sorry? No, I didn't go that way. Oh, that yeah. And, um, yeah, and I've had a bit of bleeding about it, so they wanted to see me, yeah. just to make sure everything's okay. I feel, I do feel like it's different this time. I'm not going into it with as pessimistic as I was before, where I felt like it was over before we even got there. Um, I don't feel like this this time, I'm just, but I am really nervous. I'm really worried. Have a look to see what the trap looks like. Um, I can't see it. I, yeah, it's all backed up. It's all backed it? up. Yeah, that's wow. backed up. That's all backed up. So you've had a bit of cramping and a bit of bleeding, but not much. Not much. And mainly, I think we had this the first time around. Yeah. At about what, 19 weeks? I was going to say it's a bit further along, wasn't it? Um, and uh, we went in then, and everything was fine. And uh, but of course, because of what happened a couple of months ago, you're a little bit more worried about it all. Do you know who was in? No. Early pregnancy unit. Yeah. At ten past ten. So it's that block at the top of the hill. Yeah. So I'll try and park up near it. Yeah. I'm Gina. This is Julia. Hi. Um, so we're going to be doing a scan today to look at your pregnancy, okay? Yeah. So you've been having some bleeding. Yeah, so I've had some cramps. They've been minor cramps. I actually came here at the beginning of the year because I had a miscarriage in January. Um, and um, so it's not as bad as the cramps I was having then, um, but they are, mm. but it's quite mild cramping with some bleeding, so it's got me a little bit yeah. nervous. So you had one miscarriage, do you yeah. have any children? Yes, we've got two girls. Two girls, and you had one miscarriage. One miscarriage. This is your full pregnancy. Yes. Okay, any pre bleeding with the previous pregnancies? Um, yes, but later, so only with my first. Yeah, and that was about 20 weeks. About 20 weeks I came okay. in, and there was some bleeding then, it's fine, but. It's okay. Okay, well we'll have a little look. I'll scan for your tummy to begin with, and if for any reasons I can't see clearly, we may have to do a vagina scan. Okay. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask? No. Not really, I just... No. If they're... I suppose the main one was just that they're... If the scan's okay, but there has been any bleeding, is there anything 
like is there any reason why or is there anything I have to worry um, about? Is, when do I sort of have to stop worrying? It's very common in pregnancy. 25% of women bleed in pregnancy. Okay. We often don't know the reason. It could be due to the placental development. It could be due to the amount of blood being supplied to the womb. So we just know it is common. So I'm just going to tuck this in and then you're going to feel a little bit of gel. Can I just confirm your date of birth, please? Yes, the 2nd of May, 86. jumping around in here. So. He's wiggling all over. Yeah, <laughs> wiggling everywhere. It's a moving target. <laughs> so here is baby's heart beating. Is it a flicker? Yeah. Okay. I'm so sure that makes this I'm so worried. No. Looks like he's got a lot of space for swimming around in there. Oh, uh, that's normal. Yeah? Yeah. Is it larger in later pregnancies as well? You, your belly popped after just yeah. a few weeks this time. You do, you find after subsequent pregnancies, a lot of women find, the pregnancy gets bigger. Yeah. And wobbly as well. <laughs> That's exactly right for your day. It's 11 weeks, four days. Baby measures about 4.9 centimetres. So, look at some of baby's anatomy. There is the top of baby's brain, two hemispheres, coming down baby, there's one arm, here is another arm, and there is two legs. And we've been around on you massively here. <laughs> I skipped out of the hospital today, going to the early pregnancy unit where we had to go just a couple of months ago when I found out there wasn't a pregnancy and sitting in the same chair in the waiting room. Waiting was scary, but this time to be given the news that the baby is fine, it was such a relief. I haven't been looking ahead. I wasn't imagining the sonographer would give me the news that baby's fine but the sonographer said it. And we saw the flicker of baby's heart. We saw their arms and legs and it was incredible. I'm 11 weeks and four days, they told me. And I've got my 12 week pregnancy dating scan in a couple of weeks. I've been looking at the statistical likelihood of this pregnancy, of our baby now being okay. And it's really good news. A study from the Department of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at Liverpool Women's Hospital state that seeing a heartbeat at 10 weeks increased the chance of a continued pregnancy to 99.4%. With the photos. Girlies, sit down on the sofa. Mummy and Daddy need to talk to you about something. Now, remember, we've been talking about you girls want to have another brother or sister. Yeah, but you want twins, yeah, I know <laughs> yeah, you want twins, too. and you want twins too. Well, we've got a little picture to show you. Mummy, do you want to show? Yeah. 
This is a picture. These are pictures. So to hold one, you can hold one each, hold it delicately. Hold it delicately, okay. Look, these are pictures from inside Mummy's belly. And that, inside, this, this here that's growing, is a baby growing in Mummy's belly. So Mummy's going to have, Mummy's having a baby. Today. Not, not today. <laughs> not today, but Mummy's going to have a baby. You're going to have another brother or sister. Do you know how big this baby is at the moment? It's that yeah. big. It's and about the size of a raspberry. Yeah. Mummy's growing one in her belly right it now. Is right now. I'll tell you what, when's your next show and tell? In about three weeks. Do you want to take these pictures for your next show and tell? Yeah. Yeah. And for you to do your show and tell as well. Mummy, you're having a baby. Yeah. You're having a baby. Yeah. You're gonna have a baby. Yeah. Is it gonna be a girl or a boy? We don't know. I figure it's going to be twins. Yeah, I think it's going to be both. <laughs> well, we think it's just one baby. We okay. think it's just one, because we can only see one baby in the picture. We can see one baby in the picture, yeah? That's the one baby. That's yeah. the one baby. And that's the two babies. That's, the, that's, one, <laughs> that's another that's picture. A, it's another picture of the same baby. Maybe the other is just growing with it. We'll have to wait and see, but I think Mommy, probably it'll just be one baby. Fat. Maybe. I don't really know. Thanks, but I'm so excited. Uh, Mum, so, so we won't be able to sit on your lap because, because there will be a baby. Yeah, so now we have to be... You can sit on Mummy's lap still, but we do have to be a little bit gentle around Mummy. Because, because she Mummy's is that baby. Because she's got a really gentle baby. Mum, can, can I say hello to the baby? Yeah, of course you can. But you know what? When baby gets... When, baby, when baby's bigger... You'll be able to feel baby moving and everything. Baby's very small at the moment, but you can say hello. Hello, baby. So I should be going for the combined test, the 12-week dating scan and blood test in a couple of weeks. So the next few weeks is a waiting game. I'm so happy to be pregnant, and I'm so glad that we've told the girls and they're so excited. But at the same time, pregnancy symptoms have arrived and it's relentless. How are you? Yeah. Girls, what do you think of the um, veggie sausage? Oh, yeah. I, I liked it. I liked the skin, just I didn't really like the inside. Oh, what about you, Martha? Uh, I didn't like the outside, but I, I didn't like the inside, but I did like the outside. And what about you, Mummy? I did not. I like the veggie sausages very much. I thought the veggie sausage would be a good idea because I, the idea of especially processed meat is killing me right now. So I'm having a bit of egg, a tiny bit of egg. Dad, where must be my egg? And some toast. I'm so fed up of toast. <laughs> I'm so fed up of toast. You seem to like it. I didn't think you'd like the veggie sausages. <laughs> yeah, they could do with a bit of meat in them. Tastes nice, I think the curry, I think the spice was just a bit too much for me right now. Yeah, they basically taste like curried vegetables. And it's not just morning sickness. My breasts are super sore. I just want to sleep all the time. I feel bloated. But the morning sickness is definitely the worst symptom of pregnancy so far. And I'm getting it in the evening. I can't eat anything with any flavour. So I'm going to meet Hannah Alderton, the nutritionist, at her home to get some advice on nutrition. I want to find out what I should be eating now that I'm pregnant 
and I'm also going to be meeting her newborn. Um, I just wanted to see what causes us to have such dramatic feelings towards particular foods and can we tame these feelings or should we just go with them? Well, you have to think the huge hormonal shift that you're sort of going through, um, you're creating new life, so changes um, are all over the shop. So with those big changes come side effects. And that's, of course, going to affect your appetite, what you fancy, and definitely one of them is going to be morning sickness. So you combine sort of foods you go off. You kind of got to think about foods that you might go off when you're actually feeling sick. So smelly foods, rich foods, um, and there is sort of a hypothesis that your body can move away from higher risk foods to protect the baby. So that could be red meat from possible, you know, if things were, um, you know, possible food poisoning. There are those theories, but in terms of what you go off, I mean, how long is a piece of string? It's different for everyone. So I went off at the beginning stages of pregnancy. I went off any food that was sort of interesting. I wanted jacket potatoes and plain food, and that's really, really common. It's interesting that there's an idea that you could go off certain foods that the body is protecting. Yeah, that's one theory, and it kind of makes sense because, you know, that's why people don't sometimes like the taste of bitter foods because back in the day, when you go all the way back to caveman times, some bitter foods were poisonous. So that's why some people have that relationship with bitter foods and don't like it. But it makes sense when you're pregnant, you need to sort of be the ultimate protector of what's going on inside. And for some people, you know, red meat, there could be a link. But again, this is a theory. But for me, I know exactly when I was pregnant, I really went off red meat, but you know, I can, I, I remember conjuring, it was more conjuring up sort of images of red meat and I didn't want it, but it made me feel sick. And then you think, well, actually, are you put off by the food or is the sickness putting you off the food? So it's sort of what the sort of what comes first, chicken or the egg, because if you're feeling nauseous and you've really got a tummy bug in real life, the last thing you probably want is a steak. So you've got to sort of weigh up what came first. But in, in most cases, if you put off the food, just don't eat it. So we know it's important to think about what we eat in pregnancy, but sometimes morning sickness can really yeah, get in the way yeah, of, of course. That. So what's your advice? So, um, well, first of all, in the first few weeks of pregnancy, the baby's actually living off the yolk sac before the placenta takes over. Um, and at this point with the baby, sort of weight gain isn't essential. But when the placenta takes over and it's showing the nutrients, your body is very, very clever at making sure the baby gets what it needs. And in those moments when you're not eating a lot and you feel really sick or you might be being sick and everything else like that, it is unlikely to affect the fetal development at that stage. But if you're ever worried or you do have severe morning sickness, you can't keep anything down. The fact you must always go to your GP, speak to your midwife and they can offer some sort of further advice. But if you are having nausea, you know, there are some things you can do to help. B6 is a great um, sort of supplement. Talk to your healthcare professional about dosage. You can try ginger. Ginger's wonderful for nausea. Peppermint tea. Eating first thing in the morning before you get up on your feet. So if you have something like some oat cakes in your bedside table and making sure you have a lot of water, things like smoothies and soups, they're great because they're quite easy to on the tummy and you can have, you know, if you're worried about the sort of the nutrients, try and have nutrient dense in sort of a low sort of impact form on the digestive system. Last time we spoke, I was on my way out and you said, legs are really good for you yeah. for pregnancy. Yeah. So I wanted to hear about some of your top sort of foods that you should, that you should look at and you should eat in pregnancy, maybe some hidden benefits, the hidden benefits of eggs, for example, yep. and ones that we might not be aware of. Yeah, well, so 
I think first things first, protein, so important. You have to think you are creating life and protein, they are the building block. So making sure your diet's sort of dense in protein, dark green leafy vegetables, oily fish. Now pregnant women should, they shouldn't eat more than two portions a week. And that's sort of due to pollutants and also um, mercury levels in some fish. Pregnant women shouldn't eat more than two portions of sort of oily fish a week, but essential fatty acids, so that's omega-3, are essential for things like sort of visual and neuralgial function with babies. And some studies have sort of shown increased um, Sorry, some studies have shown that there are links to a reduction in asthma and... We did try and continue our conversation, but Hannah's baby boy was a little overtired and having none of it. But I finally managed to get more information about why eggs are so great. And this has been on my mind since the last time I saw Hannah, when she said just as I was leaving, don't forget to eat your eggs. So Hannah told me that a lot of pregnant women are careful about eating eggs, as advice has been to avoid runny eggs. But new guidelines now say that runny eggs with the red British lion quality mark on them are fine to eat. She said that eggs contain choline, a nutrient that is especially important for babies' brain development, memory and learning. And on top of that, they're a great source of protein. So I think I've found my pregnancy superfood. We also spoke about eating for two. Don't do it was her firm response. It's an old wives tale. She actually waved her finger at me. You'll have all that extra weight to lose after the baby is born. Hannah's final piece of advice as I was leaving, take vitamin D, a good multivitamin and a probiotic. Support for this episode comes from Joy Baby. Joy makes parent favorite, worry-free baby gear designed to make family life easier and stand the test of time. Joy knows your number one priority is keeping your little ones safe, and so is theirs. From the smartest manufacturing to the highest quality materials to the toughest testing around, Joy checks all the boxes to keep your kiddos snug and safe, whether on the go or cosied up at home. Check out Joy's award-winning pushchairs, car seats, high chairs and so much more at joybaby.com. Frugi Bloom is a new range of ethical maternity wear made from 100% GOTS certified organic cotton. For those who want to be mindful of the environmental impact of their clothes, Frugi Bloom's super soft contemporary styles are made with clever design details that adjust to your changing shape. This allows you to wear your favourite maternity styles during pregnancy, breastfeeding and beyond. Frugi is loved not only for playful, bright colours for babies and children, but also because they are taking active steps to help our planet, using organic and innovative recycled material in each collection. On a mission to help raise the next generation of eco-warriors, Frugi invites new mums to feel fabulous with an exclusive 10% off Frugi Bloom using code LIFEBEFOREBIRTH10 at welovefrugi.com, T's and C's apply. My 12-week dating scan is today. It's part of the combined test, so I'm really looking forward to the scan and seeing the baby, but I'm not looking forward to the blood test. I'm going into Hemel Hempstead Hospital, and I've received an appointment letter with instructions. I've spoken with Ellen Dyer, a sonographer at Rosie Maternity Hospital in Cambridge, about what this appointment involves. 
Most women do choose to come for their first ultrasound scan. You don't have to come for a dating scan, but it's useful for pregnancy planning. Um, so we can work out an accurate due date for you when your baby's going to be born. And we can also use that opportunity to check baby's anatomy, um, not in great detail because we do that at 20 weeks, but we can check arms, legs, um, and the presence of a heartbeat. And um, we also date the pregnancy at the 12 week scan um, by measuring the baby from head to bottom. And that gives us a more accurate due date than going by your last menstrual period. Um, ultrasound can date within five days. We know that everyone doesn't ovulate at the same point in their cycle. Um, so your dates from your period could be incorrect. OK, great. And so you received this letter with details on when and where the 12-week ultrasound will take place. What else does the letter tell you? Can you, can you take children with you? We're very happy for partners to come to come with you to your scan. We prefer it if you don't try not to bring children if you can, because it does distract the sonographer. Um, but if you have to bring your child with you, then that's fine. It's also helpful to have something in your bladder, but you don't need to be bursting for the toilet. Um, as you become um, further on in the pregnancy, it's not important to come with a full bladder for a pregnancy scan. But at 12 weeks, it's helpful. The most important thing um, to note on your letter is it does ask you to have read um, the information about combined screening. Um, so that's um, the information about the Down syndrome Patels and Edwards screening that we offer at the 12-week scan because we need you to have made an informed choice about whether you want to have that screening. So when I walk into the room, what will actually happen? Okay, so you'll wait in the waiting room in the ultrasound department and then when it's your appointment time, you'll be called into the room by the sonographer and welcomed into the room. We usually check some demographics with you, your date of birth, your name, your address... Um, and then usually ask you about how your pregnancy is going so far. Have you had any problems? Have you got any concerns? It's such an incredible but nerve-wracking experience. And this is often the first time you're seeing your baby. With both my girls, I held my breath until the sonographer told me that there was a heartbeat. The first thing we do is I would have a quick look through your baby and show you the heartbeat as soon as I've seen it, just to reassure you um, before doing some more detailed measurements. We tend to measure baby more than once just to make sure that we've got an accurate measurement of baby. And we'd also look through um, baby in cross-section to check some of the anatomy, so check that there's two hemispheres to the brain. Baby has two arms, cord insertion looks normal, and baby has two legs. Those are two words, isn't it? Is this the first baby? No, um, baby number three. Baby number three, so yeah. you kind of know which way. Yeah. <laughs> it's still nerve-wracking though each time, isn't it? <laughs> Come close to two words, me. I will take you through the scan as much as I can. Okay. You should be able to see on the screen there, probably needs now. Okay. If I'm a little bit quiet, I'm just doing some of my medicine. Okay. Oh, That's the most reassuring thing to see. It is. Those are the legs. Oh, look at Heart beating. So Ellen, what happens next? We then, if you've asked to have combined screening, we would measure the fluid behind baby's neck. 
Um, this is quite a difficult measurement because it tends to be quite small, about one millimetre. Um, it's increased fluid behind the neck that we're concerned about, which is associated with the underlying chromosomal conditions. So if it's less than 3.5 millimetres, that would be reassuring, but you would need to go and have a blood test to get your individualised um, risk for your baby being affected by those chromosomal problems. The scan probably, it depends how cooperative baby is, but the scan takes between 10 and 20 minutes, depending on how um, where the baby's in the right position, because we do need them in just the right position for measuring them accurately. Um, and then obviously we've got to talk you through the findings from the scan and issue with you with a report and send you off for your blood test. So you're probably in the hospital about an hour. Right. So just to check again, there's an arm and a hand. Oh yeah, did you see the hand? Mm -hmm. There's the two legs. Both the hands, they're holding each other's hands. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> oh, it's lovely. Oh, that's great. Oh, and the baby's turned again. <laughs> Did you, you said you wanted a photo. Of yes, please. Yeah. Lovely there. Happy with that? Yeah, that's great. And the relief when it's over. You alright? Yeah, good. <laughs> They're relief tears, are they? Yeah. It's relief, isn't it? My scan seemed fine, and the blood test results came today too, only a couple of days after the scan. When it arrived in the post this morning, John and I panicked. We didn't think we'd hear anything for a while, so we thought we might be getting bad news. It was a little scary. We ripped the letter open so fast and scanned what it said. But we're in the low-risk category. But what happens if you're not? What happens if during the scan a birth defect is picked up or if your blood tests come back and your risk of Down syndrome is 1 in 20 as opposed to 1 in 1,500 and this puts you in the high-risk category? What happens then? I'm meeting with Miss Marcelina Coker. She's a consultant at NHS West Hearts and runs fetal medicine services at the Trust. As a fetal medicine consultant, uh, my role is actually to review women who have had their standard scan and some abnormality has been picked up. So I act as a second opinion and to confirm if indeed the abnormality is there and what the next plan of management is not just the scanning but the discussion of the options and the outcomes and helping the parents to come to a decision which is appropriate for them because each woman is different and each woman would take a different risk and my responsibility is actually to support them through that pregnancy if they choose to continue or not continue. I also look after identical twins and um, throughout the pregnancy they get scanned every couple of weeks to look out for complications of identical twin pregnancy and when we pick up babies that are small or have challenges growing in the womb they're usually referred into the fetal medicine clinic where we follow them and um, at the point where we feel the placenta is no longer feeding the baby appropriately, not necessarily at 40 weeks, it might be a lot earlier, we then make that decision to deliver the baby to because at that point the mom's womb no longer serves as an appropriate incubator for the baby. Okay, what's unique about identical twins then? Why do the women need extra scans and fetal medical care? With identical twins, they share the same placenta. 
and sometimes they have connecting vessels, which means one twin could pump its blood into the other, thereby becoming anemic. The, uh, the donor, which is the one pumping, becomes anemic and the recipient gets all, um, may have cardiac failure because it's got too much blood in its circulation. And because of this, we have to watch them every two weeks to see if there is any change in the uh, hemodynamics in the babies or perhaps growth restriction, like any other babies, identical twins could get growth restricted. They could also have um, abnormalities. They're more prone to abnormalities, especially cardiac abnormality, because most of the time they come from one egg and divide. So the chances of abnormality is higher in identical twins. So if one twin is pumping blood into the other twin, what, what do you do? What are the options for intervention then? With, it depends on the stage of the pregnancy. If it's very early, first trimester is very bad prognosis. But if it happens towards the third trimester, later on in the pregnancy, the prognosis is better. Mid-trimester, there are options of laser treatment, which they get referred into a tertiary centre. For us, it's um, UCH that we refer our patients to, where the in some um, centres they occlude the uh, the cord to try and um, they occlude the vessel to try and stop the uh, pumping of the blood from one twin to the other. It's that also has a risk. Sometimes one of the twins could be lost, and even both sometimes. That's a really difficult position to be in for the parents and for the medical experts. Uh, it's, you know, difficult. Who do you choose? So the experts then decide which baby is hemodynamically safer. Um, usually the donor is smaller, a lot smaller than the recipient. And um, usually it's the uh, donor that may be sacrificed sometimes. Sometimes they both survive. I'd like to talk about what happens following the 12-week scan and blood tests. When you've been for the combined test, you normally receive a letter and it details whether your baby might have a higher or lower risk of a chromosomal abnormality. What kind of ratio is considered high? So the, the ratio is 1 in 150. That's what we call high risk. That's high risk absolute, but then it can be age-related. If a 40-year-old woman has a risk of 1 in 150, other 40-year-old women, based on their age, the risk would probably be coming in at about 1 in 10. So it's be, it's a relative risk, but there has to be a cutoff. And the, you know, the national cutoff is 1 in 150. And then the conversation then starts as to what the woman wants to do next. Is, they would have to consider if the risk of 1 in 150 is acceptable to them and they don't want any other thing invasive. And as a fetal medicine consultant, you often see women who have been referred following the combined test where a concern may have been detected with the baby's anatomy or growth. When might someone come to you before their 12-week scan? Does that happen? What if the pregnant woman is a type 1 diabetic, for example? Most times, it's uh, if a type 1 diabetic lady would be expected to have a dating scan at six weeks, just so that we know when the pregnancy was conceived and to help with the management because they tend to be delivered earlier, before 37 weeks. So it's important that we know exactly when the pregnancy started and also they have a high risk of abnormalities, structural abnormalities. So you really want to know 
very early in the pregnancy to help control the sugar level. And um, the second group of women that we would like to see are women that have had babies with previous abnormalities. We want to meet them quite early. Women that have had previous losses as well, we would see them a bit earlier, just for reassurance. And also women who've had ectopic pregnancy, just to ensure that the location, the pregnancy is located in the womb rather than outside the womb. Uh, medical conditions, like hypertension and um, thyroid disease. You want to stabilize their thyroid hormones because there's an um, impact on the growth of the baby. Can technology like 3D ultrasounds be used in a 12-week scan to help spot abnormalities, structural or chromosomal? 3D is more useful when you have a lot more soft tissue around the baby and at 12 weeks you don't have as much soft tissue so when you look at a baby with a a 3d scan at 20 weeks and at 32 weeks 32 weeks looks like a real baby and um, there hasn't been the research hasn't shown that 3d actually has a superior detection rate to 2d in um, screening babies at 12 weeks later on with structural abnormality in the later trimesters, yes, especially for surface abnormalities like the talipis and um, cleft lip. It actually, it's, uh, it's a superior technology. How much of what is picked up is down to the skill of the sonographer? Everybody is trained to a level or to a standard to be able to detect this. It's a requirement and we do have um, audits of people's practice and this is kept nationally actually with the NUCO. The, there's a national centre, they audit the performance of people who, pro- who provide this screening service. So it's closely monitored. It's really impressive to watch how the sonographer can see these black and white shapes on the screen. Yeah, it's just pattern recognition, like anything else. How do you drive? You know, it's a skill you learn. It's something you do. And they do it day in, day out, as in eight hours or, you know, six hours every day. You're bound to notice. uh, Obviously, with experience, you get better and uh, the more details. But because there's a standardized format of reporting this, you are bound to report how you know what you've seen you check every structure and that is the beauty of standardization of reports and not leaving people to free text because you're forced to perform that task and to write to commit yourself to is this baby okay or not and when you force people to say that they think twice and look closer so but the thing is, when you have a human, there's a human factor error, and this is not, you know, there's a human factor error. Anything that you have human beings doing, there is always that element of, you can never say 100% all babies will be picked up unless we have AI. Maybe that's the future of fetal medicine. And I've made it out of the first trimester. I can't believe it. This trimester has been really exciting because. Well, obviously, I found out that I'm having a baby, which still feels really strange to say. And at 12 weeks, the baby is now the size of a small plum. But it's also been a couple of months filled with so many worries and worrying that baby is okay, as well as the beginning of all of these changes happening to my body. 
but the second trimester is meant to be the easiest three months of pregnancy. I'm meant to have a lot more energy, so I'm really looking forward to this next part. Life Before Birth is a production of Reby Media, written and produced by me, Rian Owen, sound editing and production assistance by Ross McPherson. Original music for the series is composed by Nick Atkins, series supervision by John Young. Our executive producer is Rory Harris. Thanks to Tommy Tippy, Hannah Alderson, Antonia Sierra, Ellen Dyer, Marcelina Coker, Kate Ewer at West Hearts Hospital NHS Trust and all of the medical and support staff at West Hertfordshire Hospitals NHS Trust that have helped us in the making of this series. And a special thanks to my children, Matilda and Martha. You can find us on all podcast apps and on our website at life.reby.media. Please do leave us a review. It really does help others hear this story. Thank you for listening.